welcome to episode four of Two Parkinson a Pod, the podcast by people with Parkinson's, for people with Parkinson's, and the friends and family as well. Uh, I'm Kieran. He's Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Get my name right. <laughs> Just call me Kieran. Just call me Dave. <laughs> you like? Right, we go. Here we go. Let's stop. Let's stop. You might be live. Hi there. Welcome to. <laughs> 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 Motley, the cartoon character. Motley, yeah, he's screeching away. <laughs> so we've got to fit the giggles, but we're going to carry on anyway. Two bugs in the past. The podcast for people with Parkinson's. By people with Parkinson's, we've got over 20 years of experience. We've got the, we're a bit silly today, we've got the giggles, just ridiculous. How you doing, Kim? What have you been up to? I'm, I'm good, yeah. Sorry, um, uh, what have I been up to? I've been um, out and about taking uh, photos and... Uh, um, it's actually the subject of our. <laughs> Do that again. Carry on, carry on. Uh, sorry. Um, I've been out and about. Uh, t- I'm gonna have to stop looking at you. Uh, A lot of people say that. Yeah. Right, stop being on the telly. Yeah. You've got a radio voice, right? A exactly, podcast voice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mutley. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> oh, dear. Right, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I think I'm ready. Here we go. Here we go. Hello, welcome to the latest episode of Two Parks in a Pod. I'm Dave Clark. He's Kewen. We've got Parkinson's, we've got plenty of experience with it as well, over 20 years between us. We're not medical experts, but we still like to chat about it. Kieran, what have you been up to? Well, uh, I've been out and about uh, taking photos, as, as is my way, uh, recently. And uh, actually, the subject of our podcast today is to do with uh, creativity. And there are established links that have researchers brought out recently. And you've been looking at some of that stuff, haven't you? Yeah, there's a, a, a survey, like a research project, about 40 professional artists. And they followed the, the careers after having Parkinson's and they thought the creativity would be sapped away and it would be all bad for them. But they found they were more creative than ever, producing more than ever and couldn't really work out why that was. Maybe a ke- the chemical imbalance in the brain, maybe the drugs are on, all sorts of reasons. Yeah, I think it, it's that common denominator is dopamine because dopamine is, um, it, not only does it control our movement, our mood, our motivation and various other things, it's also the thing that influences our creativity. And I, I found that I've become more creative since having Parkinson's and particularly since taking the medication. So I think in my case, it's been a side effect of uh, sort of taking these dopamine pills, if you like, um, which leads to a surge in my creative uh, tendencies. And uh, yeah, for me, it's it's come out in photography. For others, uh, some people turn to poetry or uh, creative writing some people get into to music. You're 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 a big music fan, aren't massively, you? Massively, massively into music. Big Bruce. It's it's weird because um, I went to Glastonbury recently, and um, I was I found out Bruce Springsteen was going to come on stage, and I got really emotional about. It. I, I showed my, the wife, my wife the text I got about Bruce Springsteen being on with Paul McCartney. I was in tears. I could I couldn't I couldn't talk to her about it. It's, yeah. it's, it's quite amazing the effect <laughs> it has on my music, and I, I tear up at it when I see someone live. I, I get tearful. I absolutely love it. I'm addicted to music. I have music on all, all the time in the house. 
I never. I always say never live in a silent house if you like music because you get you get down and everything. So music is really my my thing that keeps me going. Yeah, it was, is it was one of your top tips for me early on about music. I, I'm, I'm, I've never been one to sort of have music on in in, in the background, and I I found actually it's a bit of a challenge for me because. Um, there is this thing in Parkinson's uh, around your thought process and um, cognitive um, aspect of Parkinson's and I find it difficult to concentrate. So for me, it's difficult to be doing something like typing an email and having music on in the background or when the telly's on and Helen's trying to have a conversation with me, I, I just can't, you know, it just doesn't compute. I can only do one thing at a time, but... For others, I, I know they um, take a lot of satisfaction in, from music and, you know, the, the times I have it on and uh, especially something with a real beat to it. Uh, um, in the car, invariably, I'm, I'm always sort of <laughs> <laughs> bubbling, bubbling around uh, and I get a lot, of, uh, a lot of satisfaction from it. I think it helps with mo- movement as well. People say dance is brilliant for Parkinson's and, and the music sort of gets into your soul and you can, if you can dance for a while, it, it makes you feel better. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 some of these videos are amazing of people who, who, who uh, sort of, who would otherwise be quite stationary and quite um, still um, mm. because of the way in which Parkinson's affects you. But you put some music on and, you know, they can, they can move to that beat. So mm. There is a principle of, of cueing, um, whether it's a video or audio cue, that helps people uh, get moving, and particularly people that are suffering with gait and postural and uh, instances of freezing, uh, just helps them get going. Talking of stationary and still, our latest tennis match. Do you want to talk, talk us through that? Uh, not really, no. Kieran <laughs> <laughs> turned up like Rafa Nadal with a bag full of rackets and I still beat him. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, let's not go there. But one, one, one thing I would say about tennis, actually, just talking about getting moving, it's, it's quite interesting watching you on the court because when, when you're... When you're not actually, when you're on court, but you're not playing, you're, you're quite slow in your movement. Yeah. Um, like a typical Parkinson's person is. But as soon as you start serving or as soon as we start playing, I mean, you move around so quickly. It's, it's, you wouldn't know that you have Parkinson's. It's, uh, the contrast is quite amazing when there's something that gets you going. And I think music and art can also have that effect on people with Parkinson's. So exercising the, the brain as well as the... Um, as well as the body, yeah, big time. I wasn't quite aware that I was I was more appreciative of art re- until recently. I, it's weird on my Instagram feed. I take photos of flowers, which I'd never have done. I notice flowers when I'm out and about, and take photos and put them on my Instagram feed. And that, you know, a, a big Yorkshireman wouldn't would normally yeah. do that. It's sort of set soft sentimental side has come out of me because of Parkinson's. Yes, yeah, same same with me actually because. Um, I never really used to appreciate the outdoors or nature or, or like you said, flowers. And um, I, sort of over the last few years, and again, it's like you said, something I didn't really notice and, until you know we started talking about it, that I've got this real appreciation for, for beauty, full, full stop. And I love taking photos. And it's so satisfying when you see something, of, of particularly something of, of nature that is, is beautiful, like flowers, um, and you can create something off the back of it, in, like in my case, taking a taking a nice photo. I've got a little story here, Kieran, which I haven't told you before. It's about a picture in my front room. I've got this picture in my front room that I bought ages ago. And it really gives me so much pleasure, particularly now with Parkinson's. It's a woman dancing with with flowers around her. Quite incredible. And uh, I I looked at the the person that signed it, and it's a woman called Lisa Hines. So I like to do something nice every day, and I like to 
try and make someone happy every day. So I thought this picture, I'll, I'll just Google it and see 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 a bit of the history of the picture, which I bought when I had money years ago. And um, this Lisa Hines is, is a former ballet dancer from New York oh, right. who paints these pictures. And my picture was the cover of her website. So it obviously meant a lot to her. Mm. So I just wrote her a note. I said, hi, Lisa, just a note to say how much pleasure I get from you, a picture I bought many years ago. She has pride of place in my house in southwest London. If ever I'm feeling a bit flat, I look at her, dance around the living room, and it soon makes me smile again. She helps me to remember to embrace life and feel alive. Thanks, Dave Clark. So I got this beautiful response from Lisa. And she just said, Dear Dave, I'm astonished and flabbergasted. Happy after all these years. There it is. It's iconic. She's my first ever lady picture, which she's done a series of lady pictures. Thank you for reaching out. Absolutely amazing and thrilling. I had no idea where she was. So just oh, that's, really, really that's sweet really reply. Sweet, yeah. And I'll, I'll put the link for the, the website on so you can see my picture. It's, yeah. it's the cover of her website. Yeah, right. I just thought, you know, a few years ago, I would have never done that. Yeah. Parkinson's has made me a bit sentimental, a bit appreciative, appreciative of art. And, and that, that was a lovely story, I think. Yeah, we were talking the other day about random, random acts of kindness, weren't we? I think it's a perfect example of it. It's, uh, it's nice to be nice and it's nice to um, sort of gestures like that. I've, I've got a similar one, actually. There was... Um, I posted this photo of um, one of my favourite spots in 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 London, Southwest London, uh, Richmond, Richmond Hill, and there's a beautiful view you get of the, the River Thames there. And I didn't really think much about it, and I just posted this photo. It was a really really nice photo, I've got to say. And um, this lady uh, sent me a message saying, "Oh, I really love my your your photo. Could you send me the original? Because I want to have it printed for my brother." Who's who's very elderly now, and he's he's in he's in a home, and uh, but when he was younger, he, that was his favourite spot, and uh, I said, "Yeah, sure, absolutely." And uh, you know, I was you know, I said, "What sort of size do you want it?" And blah blah blah, and uh, I was giving some tips as to how to to print the photo and so on, and um, didn't think much of it. I just sent her it, and um, about a month later, she sent me back a. a a photo of her giving it to her brother oh. and uh, and saying so how appreciative she was of it. You know, she viewed it as a, as a gift almost because, you know, she was saying, can I keep, make a contribution? I said, no, no, it's, you know, it's my absolute pleasure. And, you know, it just gave me such a good, good, good feeling. And um, it was, it, I don't know, it was just one of those heartwarming stories. I just, I just think it's nice to be nice. And I, I'm, I was never really... Um, Never really nice before. <laughs> <laughs> Some would say I'm not now, um, but no, I, I kind of. I, there's something about giving back, you know, and it, it, again, it's probably a chemical thing. Yeah. You know, it's uh, in a way you can almost see it as being self, selfish, you know, because you're doing nice things to get that kind of dopamine hit, maybe. Yeah, that reward sensation. I think um, there's, there's definitely something in that. I don't think it's a it's a coincidence. Um, yeah, so yeah, photography is um, something that I've really got into. You, you printed out one of my photos as well, didn't you? Yeah, big time. You've got a great picture of the Hope Pub in, in uh, Wandsworth with a, with a double-decker bus going by, and my son really loved it. So it's in my son's halls of residence oh. at university now, and that was a really nice thing to do, to print that out. Nice. I'll tell you what, it's time for the first of our contributors. Let's have a listen. Hi, my name's Martin Pickard. I'm uh, 68. I was told I had Parkinson's in 2018 um, and then went through this very difficult couple of years trying to work out if it was true and what was wrong with me and um, got diagnosed in 2020 in the middle of the pandemic so you know it was difficult to uh, to talk with other people and find you know really get my head around what was happening to me in the midst of all that chaos 
and 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 I turned to poetry as uh, as part of a therapy. I'd I'd written years before as a teenager, you know, long haired stuff about peace and love. Um, but fifty years of of business life had driven any inch of creativity out of me. Um, but whether it was through me being free from work or the medication or the Parkinson's itself, I don't know. But I found myself with poetry was just working for me um, and uh, and other creativity too. Um, I found myself, you know, whether it was baking or gardening or um, painting and singing, um, I was doing stuff that I just never dreamt of doing in, in, in my business life. Um, and ideas coming to me in waves, um, which was just amazing. Um, now I know that the, the ologists, uh, uh, are carrying out research into, um, the link between Parkinson's and creativity and in particular into why only some of us, I think it's around 25% of us report having this surge in creativity. Um, and so why us and not others? And obviously, you know, I'm really interested in what the scientists uh, are doing and, and what application that might have for the future. But meanwhile, I'm just enjoying it. Um, I got involved with uh, the Parkinson's Art Organisation um, and I now run the Poets with Parkinson's monthly open mic night, which is free on Zoom last Tuesday of every month. Um and we get this amazing gathering of people the same as me, you know, old and young um, from America, Canada, Croatia, Germany, Mexico, all over the UK, coming together once a month and sharing poetry. Some of it's about Parkinson's, most of it isn't, um, but it's a wonderful connection and the creativity and the standard of work is is quite astounding. Yeah, and we've got a brilliant poetry swap shop page on the Parkinson's Art website, which is brilliant. Um, and Parkinson's Art are going to include some of our poetry in their Out of the Blue exhibition this year. And there'll be a, a, a small anthology published to go with it of our work, which is all just wonderful. Parkinson's has taken a lot away from me, um, but it gave me this. Um, this is a gift from Parkinson's and I, I'm enjoying that. Of course, you know, there are down days, but when there are down days, that's a really good time to write a poem. Try it out if you haven't. Poetry, art, it works. That's quite incredible, isn't it? Really, thanks Martin for that. Really, really fascinating insight. And there is a, a, a lot of people sometimes talk about a trance-like state where, where they become really creative and, and produce the best work poetry is, is very common amongst people with Parkinson. Uh, it, it is actually an, an, an artist more generally um, it, it's thought that uh, Vincent van Gogh it was as a result of his uh, psychotic spells uh, that sort of released all this dopamine that led to all his great creation so there's definitely a um, scientific explanation for, for, for this link and but uh, I thought what Martin demonstrated really well there was just the sheer range of creativity you know because People talk about art and painting and so on, but uh, there's a lot of lot of different types of creativity, and uh, poetry is uh, is uh, Martin's passion. And we should probably give a shout out to our friends at Parkinson's Art as well, who do some great work. Mm. Um, it's www.parkinsons.art, and there's a great uh, 
showcase of some wonderful talent, re- really amazing stuff that people from the community have produced. And uh, um, and it is a, it, it does feel like a community. And um, if you haven't if you haven't checked it out already, uh, uh, do so. The other thing um, that Martin mentioned was. Um, some of that research and uh, yeah. something like one in four people have sort of said that they've got these creative instincts. Mm. I suspect that's a bit of an understatement, just sort of anecdotally, the people that I've come across with Parkinson's, uh, it seems to be sort of the majority. And I think it's one of those stats where maybe people don't realise they have these tendencies until it's actually brought out in, in discussion. I, I read something the other day that something like um, almost half of people with Parkinson's are impacted by anxiety, low mood and depression. And yeah. the thing that strikes me about that is what are the other half of people doing yeah. <laughs> that they don't feel affected by this? Um, again, I think some of this stuff is a bit of a bit of an understatement. Exercise and art, big time. We met a fascinating guy called Alex Echo, who's an abstract artist. His, his work has, has gone around the world. I mean, Paul Smith bought some, Robert Downey Jr., Opera Winfrey. Cindy Crawford's got some of his work as well. He's an amazing guy. He's got Parkinson's. And I follow him on, on Instagram. It's Alex Echo One if you're interested in following. We'll put all these all these links in the show page. But he's doing some brilliant stuff now, some digital art. And he, it's all about adaption rather than abandonment. He, he can't paint like he could, but the digital stuff is, is quite outstanding. And he seems to be getting better the more his Parkinson's progresses, which is phenomenal. It's amazing how he's adapted, actually. And I think it's a testament to people with Parkinson's and who've got these passions that you know they haven't stopped. Okay, they might not have been able to do it in the same way that they they did previously, but uh, he's adapted. And the thing about creativity is you, you can adapt and apply it to different different mediums. And uh, yeah, digital art. Um, you know, I know others that have uh, t- turned to to that as a tool to express their to express their creativity. Uh, uh, it's interesting. I bumped into a guy at, uh, at Glastonbury. We're going to meet him now. Who's a wildlife photographer and filmmaker. And he's had Parkinson's for 14 years, still drives around his 4x4, getting amazing shots of birds and animals in the wild. Let's meet him now. I'm David Plummer. I'm a wildlife photographer and camera op. So it might be a difficult one for me to answer because I've always been creative. I've always been into nature being my job. But I do think things changed for me on diagnosis and I was diagnosed 14 years ago in that my creativity got a bit faster I all of a sudden returned to my roots and got into my sort of electronic repetitive beats but I also feel that helps Parkinson's because the repetitive beats assist movement I think is my non-scientific theory I think once you've been given a diagnosis of Parkinson's, even though you've got decades to live, I think you realise what's valuable in life. And it's not a lot of rubbish, really. It's the important things like the environment around you, birdsong, seeing bluebells. I refuse to let Parkinson's stop me. And consequently, I have pushed my career Um, to new levels and I do feel I've produced my best work since Parkinson's disease and I was a pro photographer before that my view is just get on with it and and 
keep rolling. He's a top man, David Plummer. His, his enthusiasm and, and lust for life, is it blows me away. Every time I see him, I think, incredible. you're an incredible man. He gets up every morning, takes groups out, teaches them how to f- photograph nature. He drives around in his, his 4x4 on, on, on private land there. and Incredible. And look at his, his pictures as well, if you want to have a look. David Plummer Images is his, 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 his Instagram account. And he does some phenomenal pictures. He, he does stuff for Attenborough series and everything. He's, he's an incredible guy. Another good example of having a having a positive attitude and getting out and about and uh, those connections um, and that link to nature, um, you know, things that I would have really taken for granted before. Um, I can really sort of um, appreciate uh, what what he was saying there. Um, the, the nature thing, particularly, um, just the little things. I, I find I'm, I'm just more aware of. I remember the other day we were playing tennis, and at, at the end, I was sort of. Sprawled out on the uh, on the tennis court after after a, a beating actually from, from Dave, uh, but I was just looking up at the clouds and uh, do you remember that day? The clouds were just amazing, yeah. absolutely amazing, and things like that. Uh, you know, I just took a moment and just just sat there and you know we were sitting there in silence, weren't we, for a few minutes, m- mainly because we were knackered, but uh, <laughs> also just because we were just so taking it in and and. And similarly, sunsets and sunrises is something that, you know, I get a lot of satisfaction from. You, you quite like a nice sunrise as well, don't you? Yeah, when, I, when I'm on holiday and stuff, I always get up really early in the morning and, and chase the sunrise, have a look. You're the only one on the beach and, mm. and you just look and it's just silence. You just hear the, the, the birds wake up just a couple of minutes before sunrise. So it's beautiful. You hear the noise and then you see the sun come up. It's just, just amazing. Just make, every sunrise is precious when, you, when you've got a, a condition like us. I've got a friend who's not very well at the moment, and 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 you know she she has been inspired me for for years, and she, she gets up, gets dressed, gets out, you know, amazing amazing person, and 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 you've you've got to enjoy life and and, and get up and get out. It's it's vital. Yeah, and um, what what he's also saying, is, and, and um, I think Martin touched on it earlier as well about how it's impacted their their work life and their career. Actually, that's quite interesting because well, uh, David's had forty he's fourteen years with Parkinson's. He's mm. still putting together cameras, mm. putting together hides. Yeah. He, he camped at Glastonbury, put his own tent up and everything. He's some man. Uh, it's it's amazing, and it's great when you can combine those things. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm a lot more creative in the types of work that I do now uh, compared to, to to previously, and Again, it, it's something I, I attribute to to the condition. Yeah, it, it's definitely definitely a massive thing, isn't it? We've got another contributor now who uh, was at Glastonbury as well, just giving a few top tips on, on how to survive a festival because people were shocked when I went to Glastonbury. I heard from Barry, this guy, and um, this is what I'm going to say. Hi, my name's Barry Smith. I was diagnosed with Parkinson's in 2006. And yeah, this year, like Dave Clark, I went to Glastonbury Festival. And people seem surprised that somebody with Parkinson's should go to a festival. Why the hell not? My top tips for going to a festival would be make sure it's one that can accommodate disabilities, like Glastonbury does with its own field that is properly equipped for disabled people, whether you're in tents, caravans, camper vans, whatever. Uh, Make sure you hydrate regularly and you've got your pills with you. Make sure 
that you've got somebody with you who you can rely upon and trust. And um, I guess my last thing for really having a good festival is enjoy the music. That's what we're there for. And uh, go and experience whatever you can. It's a shame that we have Parkinson's, but we don't need to give up living as well. Enjoy what you can, why you can. Have a fabulous time, and as Abba once said, thank you for the music. Uh, brilliant. You know, he's, he's still man Barry. He was, he was at the festival. I, I, kept, I tra- kept trying to meet him, but it's so massive. 67 stages or something. And we kept saying, oh, be in here, be there. And we couldn't bump into each other, but it would have been great too. But there were loads of people got in touch with me with Parkinson's who went to that festival. That's great advice from him. Uh, one tip I had, I, I got a shooting stick, which oh. was, um, you know, like the, the things that unfold. Yeah. And you've got a leather you seat on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it doubled up as like a walking stick. Yeah. I don't use a walking stick, but yeah. my, my foot was quite, had yeah. a lot of dystonia. Yeah. And um, it, it just alerts people that there was a problem. And, and it just, people gave me space. Yeah. And then I could plant my, my, the pole of the, yeah. of, of the shooting stick and sit down if I felt. Because, yeah. I mean, some of the things, I was standing up for five hours for, yeah. for Paul McCartney and stuff. Yeah, I mean, accessibility is, is you know, it's, it's, it's a consideration, certainly. It's not, it shouldn't be a, a barrier. Um, what, one thing I would say, uh, and I know this, is, this other people with Parkinson's suffer from this as well, crowds. Yeah. I'm not great in crowds. No. Um, I never have been. Um, and I don't know how much of that is related to the condition, but I, I kind of feel like a, a lot of it is, and it, you know, it leads to feelings of, of anxiety. You get really panicky sometimes. I do, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I've got this feeling that I can't escape kind yeah. of thing. And uh, I've heard that from other people with the condition as well. In fact, I'm actually going to a concert this evening, uh, um, coincidentally, uh, my first one in, in, in a few years. And, and w- one of the reasons I'm going to this one is it's, it's a smaller concert. Um, it's actually mm. a bigger venue, but smaller concert, and uh, so there's more space and so on. So I don't get that sort of enclosed, trapped feeling that I'd get uh, when I'm normally surrounded by crowds. Yeah, I, I, I found that if, if my mates thought I was struggling, they'd sort of surround me a bit. So they'd, they'd sort of pen me in. So if I was feeling a bit unsteady in my feet, mm. they'd sort of protect me from people pushing through and stuff, which really helps. Yeah. I've got great mates, and it's always good to go with someone who's, yeah, yeah. who's, who's not got Parkinson's, if you, you, you know, because. Mm. You can, they can help you, you know, mm. if, you, if you're struggling. And you, we all get it when the meds run out. Yeah. You, you're really struggling. You can't move very well. Mm. You look like you're drunk. You look like mm. you're on drugs and at mm. a festival. You feel right at home. You're, yeah. <laughs> you're in the right place. <laughs> okay. Um, anything else you want to say on this subject while we're chatting? Well, just something that I've noticed is that um, my creativity has kind of followed the sort of progression of my condition yeah um and I, and I was joking to you the other day about how many photos that i've taken I'm up to almost one hundred and ten thousand photos now it's crazy it's a it's become a bit of an obsession but i can also sort of almost directly link it to how my disease has progressed over the years in terms of the number of photos i've taken I've, i felt like it's increased as my as my condition has progressed but also as my medication has increased over the years as well can you do like a graph x and y where x is your progression of disease and y is why is how many photos you've taken have you done it i probably could and it's it i think you'll see a direct correlation i I sometimes say to kieran i see him early in the week and i say do you have a good weekend because he has a 500 photo weekend (laughs) must have been a good weekend crazy (laughs) he always has his camera every every when you're talking earlier on about um the uh the, the, the the clouds after we played tennis I remember a jet plane just came across yeah. the clouds and it, yeah. was, 
It was a beautiful thing, just the trail Plain of the jet trail, plane yeah, yeah. With, with the, the amazing clouds, and you yeah. took a photo of it. Breathtaking. Yeah. yeah. If, if you're the messengers, any any subjects you'd like us to cover in the podcast, we're always open to, to ideas. The next thing we're going to do is on 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 fitness and, and and sport. Yeah, exercise is another sort of has probably been the, the recurring theme in every episode so far, and uh, so we're going to have a dedicated episode on it, and we're having a few experts in the field, and uh, as well as uh, having other contributors from the from the community and their experience of exercise. Yeah, I think my yoga teacher's coming on, which could be could be could be a bit frightening for me. Um, but you know, I couldn't touch my toes when I first saw her. Now I can, and she's, she's a brilliant woman. So hopefully, she's going to have a chat. Got a, a, a physio coming on as well, um, who's used to dealing with people with Parkinson's. There's lots lots of good stuff to come. Uh, raters, reviewers, we'd love to hear from you. And Kieran, I'm getting a bit emotional now because you did a lovely poem to round off the, not poem, but you've written a piece to round off the show. Tell us about it. Yeah, it's, it's just a little, I don't know what you'd call it, like a short story. And it's not something I've done before, but it was pointed out to me uh, recently about sort of dealing with Parkinson's and the diagnosis of Parkinson's. It, it's, it's a journey and it's actually, it's a grieving process, actually. It's, you know, we haven't lost someone, but we've lost something. And th- there are, in, in psychology, established um paths of of, of of grieving and different stages of, of grieving grieving and I realized I could plot my journey exactly to uh, those stages from denial through to acceptance uh, although I don't think acceptance is just one single point that you reach and you stay there it's, it's more, more more of a circular thing you, you jump between stages but I, I just wrote this little short story that kind of highlights those different stages and uh, uh, we'll play it for you now. Yeah, that's it from this for this week. Leave you with Kieran and this. Get, you might get a bit emotional listening to this. Parkinson's, a grief journey. I took the 9.15am on the 4th of January 2013. I remember it well. It was the day after my 38th birthday. I hadn't planned this particular journey although in truth it had been on my mind for some time. I was the only one aboard and, despite blue skies and beaming sunshine, it felt like the calm before the storm. I didn't know where this journey would take me. No one told me which direction to go. There were no signs or perhaps there were and I just ignored them. There were no announcements. I didn't like not knowing. I didn't like the uncertainty. I felt trapped. I was just hoping for a fast, direct route to destination unknown or, better still, a return home. I quickly realised the latter was impossible and that travelling into the unknown was the scariest journey I would ever take. At times I didn't want to know where I was heading but from the start it felt like a one-way journey. I didn't want to look up to see where I was. I didn't want to look out, fearing others would look back and see I was lost. I didn't want to look inwards as I was scared what I would find. I didn't want to look anywhere but down. So I sat alone on this ride for many years. At times I found myself oddly content to be in this newfound limbo, but often I was riddled with anxiety. It felt familiar and yet unfamiliar at the same time. I could still feel the world around me. I felt even more sensitive to it. The world seemed normal in comparison. Occasionally people waved as I passed. I would smile and wave back, ashamed to admit I didn't know where or who I was. I was embarrassed to ask for directions or seek guidance. Eventually I asked a man in uniform where we were heading, only to receive a confusing and vague response. It put me off from asking again. I tried to look it up on a map, but I just couldn't get my bearings. 
As it turned out, this was a slow journey with many stops. At times it felt like the ride was going in circles, passing the same stop more than once and often getting stuck there. And so it went on for many years. Until one day the world started to shake. People were worried and fearful. But it's a different kind of fear to mine. One that was common to all. Not like my fear, which was uniquely mine. Or at least I thought. They started distancing themselves. Something I'd been doing for a while. People stayed at home, scared to go out. I knew this feeling all too well. They were united in their fear, but also their determination, eventually cheering and clapping until one day everyone went outside again. That collective will had helped find the answer. And while I didn't share their relief in quite the same way, I did start to see things differently. The view became clearer and I suddenly realised I wasn't alone on this ride. There were 10 million others with me of all different shapes and sizes and all at different points on their own journey. Eventually the world stopped shaking, but I didn't. By this time others could see, but for the first time it didn't bother me. Well, not as much. It was almost a relief that they could see the real me. I didn't have to hide any longer. I started talking to other passengers, well, listening in silence at first as I was still embarrassed of what I wasn't sure. I found we had so much in common. People had come from near and far, yet we all spoke the same language. Some were travelling alone, many were accompanied by their loved ones, yet still felt alone. When I looked around I could see that familiar lost look in their eyes. It was an emotional mirror. I felt for them, I felt for myself. But I also realised just how far we had all come and what I would originally mistaken as fear was actually courage. Whether they were at the start of their journey or the end, whether they knew it or not, they were all brave, brave souls. So I reached out a hand and tried to help where I could, in my own little modest way, sharing experiences. Our stories were remarkably similar. It was uncanny. It proved as comforting to me as it was for them. Eventually I stopped wondering where we were going, when we would get there, or even why we were on this journey in the first place. Instead I looked up and took in the breathtaking views that had been missing for so long. I was learning so much on this journey and as I learnt more, I found myself becoming more forgiving of myself. I was certain there were plenty of bumps to come, some dark days ahead, but I could at last see that there was light at the end. <laughs>